Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. As many of you will know, along with my co-author Chris Clark, I released a book called Gone Fishing, The Solved and Unsolved Crimes of Angus and Clare back in the middle of 2021. Unfortunately, for reasons I won't bore you with, this book hasn't been available for a while. But just this week, it's been re-released on Amazon. So I thought I would share one chapter of the book with you today. This is chapter eight about the murder of Anna Kenny. Just weeks after Frances Barker and Leslie Perry were killed, there was another murder of a woman in Glasgow. 20-year-old Anna Kenny left the hurdy-gurdy pub in Lister Street in the town head district of Glasgow on the 6th of August 1977 and was never seen alive again. Anna had been out of her friend and work colleague Wilma Sutherland the night she disappeared. The two were enjoying a drink, celebrating their first wages from their new jobs at a nearby bottling plant in Port Dundas Road. It was a normal night for the two women and they arranged to meet on Glasgow's High Street near the Royal Infirmary. At the busy bar they drank vodka and beer and chatted to a number of their friends who were in the bar at certain points of the evening. Towards the end of the night they met two young men and they enjoyed each other's company. At the end of the night all four left together. Whilst Wilma stopped in the doorway to kiss the man she had met, Anna and her man walked ahead. They'd been kissing for a while too but Anna made it very clear to the man that she needed to get home. So they walked together to George Square in the centre of Glasgow, where she planned to catch a bus home. But Anna never made it back to the house where she lived alone that night. And when Wilma popped around the next morning to chat about the night before, there was no sign of Anna. Wilma was incredibly worried that her friend wasn't there and called Anna's parents. They hadn't seen their daughter either and alerted the police. Detectives were quickly able to trace the man that Anna had left the bar with that night. It turned out that he was married with a young child, and for that reason he initially denied being with Anna. Detectives were certain he wasn't telling them the whole truth, and they initially considered him as a suspect. Later, when he realised he was getting into a whole world of trouble, he came clean about what had happened that night, despite the obvious domestic problems doing so would cause. He explained how at 11.45pm, Anna had left him to hail a taxi at the corner of Lister Street and Baird Street. Just after, she had turned a corner and was no longer in view, and he'd heard the sound of a car braking. Naturally, he just assumed that Anna had found a taxi, or she'd been picked up by someone she knew enough to lift home. He'd thought no more of it until he was contacted by the police. Detectives could find nothing suspicious that happened on the night Anna went missing, at the time she was last seen. There were no reports of anyone acting suspiciously and there were no assaults in the area. They were determined to find out what had happened to Anna and one member of Strathclyde Police in particular, WPC Karen Finley, covered a tremendous amount of ground for the investigation. She interviewed Anna's family, friends, employees at the brewery and people from the hurdy-gurdy and other nearby venues but the WPC had no success. She even travelled south to Filey on the Yorkshire coast to talk to staff at the holiday camp where Anna and Wilma had worked for a month in June earlier that year. She discovered that Anna had enjoyed a brief romance in Yorkshire, but there were no concrete leads from this trip. In September, 
WPC Finley dressed in a black wig and reconstructed Anna's last moments to try to jog any memories for those in the area. And on the same day, 40 officers searched a disused railway tunnel and other buildings in the town head area of Glasgow. The 4th and Clyde Canal was searched too. But despite all these efforts, there was no sign of Anna. And frustratingly, not a hint of the breakthrough in the case that was desperately needed. It was some 21 months later that Anna's remains were found. Her body was found buried in two feet of soil by two shepherds in Skipness, a village on the Kintyre Peninsula, and about a 115-mile drive from Glasgow. Detectives believed it was likely that Anna had been taken by car via the Western Isles Ferry from Glasgow, rather than the long drive around Argyll. Two distinctive gold earrings helped detectives identify the body, as there was not much left of Anna, just her skeleton and some material which was later found to be the shirt she was wearing the night she disappeared. This shirt had been used to bind Anna's neck and ankles. The post-mortem examination showed she'd been sexually assaulted and strangled, and detectives believed she'd been tortured. It was apparent that Anna's last hours must have been utterly terrifying. Anna's family never recovered from the shock and the terrible manner of her death. Her dad Francis died in 1994, and her devastated mum Mary committed suicide two years later. Anna's brother Frank also died early from a fatal heart attack in 2004, aged just 46, leaving behind two sons, aged 11 and 13. Nobody's ever been convicted of the murder of Anna Kenny. Was she murdered by Angus Sinclair? We believe so. Anna was another of the murder victims that Operation Trinity indicated had been murdered by the same person. But before moving on to the evidence to support this, let's briefly examine another potential suspect in the frame, Peter Sutcliffe, the so-called Yorkshire Ripper. Sutcliffe, who lived near Bradford in Yorkshire, was a long-distance lorry driver who made regular deliveries to the General Motors plant at Newhouse, near the M8 motorway, east of Glasgow, and to oil-based companies in Aberdeen. James Hobson, head of the Ripper Investigations, was sent files on all the unsolved murders of women in Glasgow in 1977 by the Strathclyde police, but he didn't see a connection. Despite this, in July 1982, two Scottish detectives travelled south to Parkhurst Prison on the Isle of Wight to personally talk with Sutcliffe. The similarities between the murders of Anna Kenny and the other victims identified by Operation Trinity suggest they were killed by the same person. Anna Kenny was strangled, which fits Sutcliffe, as it was a method he used twice in 1980. But other evidence doesn't support Sutcliffe being the killer. Anna Kenny had her feet tied and bound, with material from her clothing, which doesn't match the blitz style normally used by Sutcliffe. And assuming the Operation Trinity was correct, and all were killed by the same person, Sutcliffe can be ruled out as a suspect because on the same day that future victim Hilda McCauley was being murdered, covered in a later chapter, Sutcliffe was killing Jean Jordan in Manchester. For these reasons, it's widely agreed that Sutcliffe didn't kill Anna Kenny. So what is the evidence for Anna Kenny being murdered by Angus Sinclair? Well, Sinclair was living close to the area where Anna was taken, and the method of abducting young women who'd been out for the night at the weekend fits just how he targeted his victims. Like his other victims, Anna had been bound. Anna's remains were found in a very quiet area off the beaten track 
that would have been very hard to just stumble upon. And Sinclair was very familiar with the area where Anna's body was buried. She was found at Skipness, a village on the Kintyre Peninsula on the road to Campbelltown. This is where Sinclair spent his honeymoon for two weeks, and it's another popular fishing resort. Mark Williams Thomas looked at Anna's murder for his TV series The Investigator, a British crime story. He focused on Sinclair's white caravanette, which he had purchased to travel around Scotland as a decorator, and for his fishing trips, which, as we have said before, seemed to lack any fish. Williams Thomas tracked down a shepherd in Skipness called Alex McLeish, who believed that he'd seen a van similar to Sinclair's, close to where Anna's body was found, shortly after she disappeared. McLeish told him the following. Well, it was sitting with the curtains drawn and doors closed, and it was a lovely warm afternoon, and I thought, that's a bit strange. Usually folk would be out enjoying the sunshine, but there was no one to be seen at all. I remember it quite clearly. We'd been competing at a sheepdog trial on the Saturday. Now, was this Angus Sinclair? Anna's last living relative, her 81-year-old aunt, Agnes Byrne, was quoted in the Sunday Post before Sinclair died, saying that she held him responsible. He killed the whole family when he killed Anna. I had two girls myself, and I always worry about them because of what happened to Anna. You never stop worrying about them. It's still affecting people. I hope he dies roaring for what he put them through. As an aside to Anna's disappearance, well, maybe an aside, but then again it could be central to what happened. One year later, her friend Wilma, who'd been with her on the night she disappeared, married Gordon Hamilton. That same Gordon Hamilton, Sinclair's brother-in-law, and the one that was found guilty of the World's End murders, along with Sinclair. She'd met him at the hurdy-gurdy bar from where Anna had gone missing. Even stranger, if that is the right word, is that Wilma had only been to the hurdy-gurdy twice after Anna disappeared, and it was on one of those occasions that she met Hamilton sometime just before Christmas 1977. Was it just coincidence? When it was later discovered that Hamilton had been responsible for the world's end killings with Sinclair, Wilma was interviewed by the police about why she'd married him. She could only suggest her vulnerability and confusion after losing her friend, and she told detectives of a very unhappy and violent marriage. Interestingly, Sinclair and Hamilton had a huge row the night before Hamilton married Wilma. Whilst it's not known what this argument was about, it was a serious disagreement, so much so that neither Sinclair nor his wife Sarah went to the wedding the next day. Was this about the murder of Anna Kenny? Was this another murder where Hamilton played a part? And even if Hamilton had not been directly involved with Anna's murder, he had been with Wilma when she'd visited Anna's parents when her friend was still missing and after her body had been found. Hamilton had in fact been at Anna's parents' house with Wilma on the very day that the police arrived to tell them the news that her body had been found. Could Hamilton have supported Wilma through all of the above if he had been involved? in the murder of Anna Kenny. So that is chapter 8, The Murder of Anna Kenny. The book is full of a number of sold and unsolved crimes. If you want to read it, just go to Amazon, search Gone Fishing by Chris Clark and Adam Lloyd. 
and I'll speak to you on Tuesday for our normal episode. Until then, take it easy, and most of all, stay classy. Cheerio for now.